You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. I want to tell you the really cool thing. Um, This Thursday, the 23rd, is the National Collegiate Day of Prayer. It's been going on since like the mid-1800s or something. It's been there for a long time. And it's basically where people adopt a college campus and, and they pray for that college campus. And it's, so it's a multi-generational prayer effort. And, the, and the, 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 whole, the whole objective of the National Collegiate Day of Prayer is that there might be a spontaneous outpouring of the Holy Spirit on college campuses across the country. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to just give you one guess. The simulcast for the whole National Collegiate Day of Prayer will, be, will, will come from what university? <laughs> How amazing is that? All planned way before this ever happened. Yeah, yeah. So this call for prayer that campuses might be overcome by the Holy Spirit, this call is coming out of a campus where it's already happening. It's already happening. And so I went online and I, and I looked to see if anybody had adopted the, uh, the Somerville campus of Augusta University. And nobody had adopted the Somerville campus of Augusta University. And so we adopted it. I did it on your behalf. You're welcome. And so what I want you to do this Thursday, February 23rd, is to... Find some time during the, pray, the day to pray for the Somerville campus of Asbury University, sorry, Augusta University. Did I say Augusta University before? Augusta University, you know what I'm talking about. Pray for the one that's here in our town. Pray for the Somerville campus of the one that's here in our town, Augusta University. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray that, um, that, 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 the, that the fire would fall there too. You know, as a pastor, I felt so much of my life has been spent begging people to get excited about Jesus. And so it's just an encouragement to find out, you know, after two or three years now of discouragement and bitterness and some, this dry spell that has been on our whole country, that a lot of people have spontaneously gotten excited about Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? I mean, you are welcome right this minute to get spontaneously excited about Jesus. And I believe this is just the beginning of it. And if it is the Holy Spirit, I believe it will spread. A couple of days ago, Ann Clemens um, texted me to say she sensed in prayer we're supposed to bring this home. So I'm sorry, Chris, but that's just what we heard. You are supposed to bring it home. And so tonight at our town hall meeting, we're gonna, we'll have some conversation about the present state of things. But we're going to spend most of our time praying for a spontaneous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so come tonight at 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock in this room. There's child care, so you can come, and we're just going to pray. And then next Sunday, February 26th at 5.30 p.m., this is what's going to happen. You know, we've been in this um, hard thing with our tribe for a long time. But in all of this time, I can't remember ever anybody calling the whole North Georgia Annual Conference, the four corners to come together and pray. I can't remember anybody doing that. So we're going to do that. Next Sunday night, 5.30, February 26th, we're going to be at 
Norcross First United Methodist Church, because they can seat 1,500 people. Surely, we can find 1,500 people who care enough, who are hungry enough to come together and unpolitically pray that God would do a new thing. Pray for spiritual breakthrough. So, there's plenty of time for you to come to church in the morning, go to lunch, and then we'll just carpool up there. Looks like we got ourselves a convoy, said the wife of the trucker. And, um, and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray. Um, so I'm not going to ask for a show of hands right now, but are you ready to do that yeah. together? Yeah. And come worship. And come worship. And ne- yeah, and next Sunday morning, our, our students are leading worship. Our students are leading worship. So you don't get to choose between morning and evening stuff. You got to do all of it. You got to do all of it. Um, friends, it is time to bring the fire home. Which is pretty much today's message. Listen, the, with the tearing of the curtain at the death of Jesus, the presence of God has been unleashed. And our part is to pick up the coals, the incense, the fire in the Holy of Holies and bring it home. Not just home to our town, but home into our houses and into our families. And that's, that's the call today, to bring the fire home. So Lord Jesus, I'm praying that right now you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're doing in the world and in our lives and in our families and in our homes and in our community. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart. Fill our hearts with courage to step into everything you have for us. And I pray that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So, we started this whole series talking about the transcendent presence of God. Um, the transcendent presence of God, the, om- the, you know, the, the, the omnipresence uh, of God, God everywhere. And, um, and, and we talked about asking the Holy Spirit to refresh our spirits around the joy and the art and the pleasure and the honor and the worship of this huge, omnipresent God. This morning, we're going to talk about the manifest presence of God. God present with us, Emmanuel, God with us, when God comes near. And the good news this morning is that we don't have to, as Moses said to the Israelites, we don't have to go find it, go across the ocean, and, or ask who's going to go get it for us and bring it back to us so we can have it. We don't have to do that. Moses said, it's here. All you have to do is open your eyes. It's here. It's closer than your next breath. Our God is accessible. There is a thin place here. He is approachable. He loves us. And there's a very familiar scene where we learn how God accomplished this once for all time. In the story of Jesus' death, the transcendent became imminent. And that scene becomes a promise to us that the thin place can happen wherever we are. And this is this scene. It's Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 45. If you've got your Bibles, open them up. Matthew 27, beginning with verse 5. If you need a Bible, if you just raise your hand, somebody will bring you a Bible. Anybody need one? All right. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, actually, because this scene is probably, this is the most powerful scene in the history of the world. So, um, out of respect for the history of God, the story of God, and this most powerful scene, I'm going to invite you to stand where you are. (laughs) 
Matthew 27, 45, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemes bakhtani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with some wine vinegar, and he put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. But the rest said, no, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, in other words, the last moments he has, he still has energy to cry out in a loud voice. He gave up his spirit. In that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city. I bet that messed with some minds. <laughs> and went in the Holy Spirit and, and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those who were with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So these are the last moments in Jesus' life, in his earthly life. Everything he came to accomplish was just about finished and he, and he was now he's being laid up on this horrible cross nailed to it left there to suffer and when Jesus suffered the whole world literally the whole world suffered with him everything turned dark which is the judgment of God which is not good <laughs> and then Jesus felt the full weight of fallen humanity and he cried out like every single one of us has cried out at some point or another in our lives, my God, my God, why have you left me to do this alone? So I want you to absorb the flow of the story because it's kind of important. From darkness to the cry of abandonment to the cry of death and then the tearing of the curtain and at the end of all these very hard, heavy things, there is a confession of faith. Surely this is the Son of God. That confession, Judge Angel says this. He says it's sort of like you're buttoning your shirt and you get to the bottom and you find out you have an extra button at the bottom. You know what I'm talking about? You've done that, right? It's like that confession doesn't exactly fit every other part of the buttoning process. The confession is a strange end. It's how does somebody find a thin place at the end of darkness and earthquakes and rock splitting and death cries? It's like, like how, how do all these heavy scenes turn into somebody confessing God, Jesus, as Lord and Savior? Unless, those are not hard, heavy things at all. Unless, those are, uh, are we doing... Okay, just it's not me. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, how, do, how, do we, how do we understand this passage as a positive? So let's think about it. The, the darkness and the earth shaking. That's God making sure that creation itself felt the importance of the moment. Stop and think about that for a minute. The darkness and the earth shaking, the rocks splitting. I almost wonder, you know, there's that, that line where it says the rocks will cry out in my place if I don't cry out. You just wonder if that's the rocks just opening up and crying out. 
Just this positive, this, this power and importance, this seismic event that shook creation itself. Humans might not have grasped the power of it, but the rocks felt it. Creation responded. And then Jesus' cry of abandonment from Psalm 22, which starts off rough. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It ends with this amazing proclamation. He has done it. Which means that cry of death was not defeat. That's a battle cry. Amen. That cry was victory and prayer and worship and celebration and hope. And that last breath, that last breath is a symbol of tearing in the Jewish tradition. When a person breathes their last breath, that's when you rend your clothes. And if you're really close to them, you tear them all the way from top to bottom. You ruin the clothes. As a Jewish person would totally get the progression, a cry happened. He breathed his last. And then the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The curtain that separated the presence from the people was torn. When that curtain, some people call it a veil, was torn, in that moment, God was not defeated. God was unleashed. <laughs> he was unleashed. In that moment, Israel, excuse me, Jesus became the priest, the blood sacrifice, the scapegoat, the holy of holies, the altar of incense, the horn that sounded the victory and confused the devil, all in one. <laughs> With the tearing of the curtain, the presence of God has been unleashed. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible glory. And when we understand all the parts of the scene in this way, then that confession of the centurion, wow, <laughs> surely this is the Son of God. Well, now it's not the weird button at the end. It's the button that holds the whole thing together. Friends, the Spirit of God it's not up in heaven, so you've got to ask somebody, who's going to go up there and get it for me? It's not across the sea or three states away, so you have to ask, who's going to go and get it for us so we can come bring it back and we can obey it? It's not, it's not across the sea or up in heaven or, or some other place. No, no, it's very close to you. The curtain has been torn. There is a thin place. Our God is accessible. He is approachable. He loves us. We don't have to wait for a priest to make atonement for us. We don't have to find a, a temple where the Holy of Holies uh, is so we can get near the presence of God. We don't have to act like Jesus only shows up at, on Sundays or like worship only happens during a certain hour of the week. The thin place is a whole lot closer than we think. When revival breaks out and people are worshiping day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, one of the prophetic notions that we get from that is, friends, Jesus is on the loose and he's no longer contained in the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday mornings. 
the tearing of the veil, we are each of us invited into the Holy of Holies. We are each of us given access to the heart of God, which means each of us can have intimacy with, uh, with him, with the presence of God. The, 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 the presence of God can manifest, can show up where we are in our hearts, in our homes, in our families. And we can teach our kids to have intimacy with him too. The tearing of the curtain at the death of Jesus, the presence of God has been unleashed. And our part is to pick up the coals from inside the most holy place and take them out into the world. Bring the fire home. Which means that parents no longer have to relegate the discipleship of their kids to the priest. You're not alone in this, parents. But you're not unequipped either. You're not alone in this, students, but you're not excluded from the glories of heaven. We all have access to the glory of God, to the heart of God. All of us can cultivate thin places where the presence of God is likely to manifest, to show up, and all of us can usher others into these thin places where they can experience the great moves of God. All of us. I'm so moved right now by the spiritual hunger of Isaiah in chapter 54 where he says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. (laughs) That's an Old Testament prophetic word over what happened when Jesus breathed his last and the temple curtain was torn in two. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Isaiah's not given up. On God, he's still contending after 500 years of their return from exile. Isaiah still holds hope. He still can pray with passion. Tear open the heavens, God. Come down. Make your name known. Make the mountains shake. Help us, God, to hold on, believing that eventually the homes we build will not be inhabited by other people. That the, that the things we plant are not just for other people to eat. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down and bless us. I feel that prayer so deeply and personally. Do you? Yeah. I feel it. And today I'm leaning on it personally. That I will not be building a house for someone else to benefit from. That one day I'll see God pour out on us. It makes Isaiah so current and real. It's a cry, but it's also a challenge. How am I demonstrating and claiming full access to an open heaven? How can we rend the heavens over our homes? How can we create a worship culture where we live so that we've shifted our thinking and come to see ourselves? Listen, so that we come to define ourselves as worshipers even in our own homes. Some of us are not even worshipers in the worship space. How do we become worshipers here and then also become worshipers in our own homes? Parents, think about that. Friends, think about that. Think about, think about, seriously, think about how much less porn and violent games and useless stuff we would engage in if we came to see ourselves as worshipers in our homes. Not as watched, but as worshipers. 
Do you hear the difference? Like, I'm not going to do all these things because I want to make sure that God, I do the right stuff. That's one of my big stuck points, one of the lies that I hear. If I don't do it right, they won't like me. If I don't do it right, God won't like me. Anybody else got that lie going in your head? Or is that just me? Yeah, what if I stopped operating as a watched person and started operating as a worshiper? Because that's a tendency, right? To, to feel ourselves as watched, as graded. So we, we better get it right. So I'm going to give you some ideas, ways you can practically bring worship into your home. But I'm not doing it because I want you to do these things, check these boxes, and feel better about yourself. I'm just doing it because I know parents, you want something you can take home with you. So I'm going to give you this. And then we're going to come back into being artists. <laughs> but the first thing I would invite you to do is to pray blessing over your home. And you don't need a pastor or a priest to come and do that for you. You can walk into each one of your, your, your rooms, even the one you don't want anybody else in. Walk into each one of your rooms, and you can pray what you believe God has created that room for yeah. over that room. And you can ask God to deliver your home from any, anything that's not of him. We pray that almost every Sunday here. If it's not of you, God, bind it and release it of all power. Send it to Jesus to do it as he would. And God, release into this place the full measure of your Holy Spirit. We pray that almost every Sunday over this room. And if we feel like we need to pray it over this room, then probably it's okay for you to pray it over your rooms. Just go home and pray over every room in your house. And then pray over your children. Pray blessing over your children. I don't know if this ever happened in your church, but in my church growing up, there was an old guy, always an old guy. I don't even remember the guy's name. It's probably one of one old guy who um, always had peppermints in his pockets. <laughs> don't we love him? Yeah. And he would walk down the aisle and he always looked. Handing peppermints to children. Children don't even like peppermints that much, but they like candy and sugar. And, any, and that's what we go to church for, right? We go to church for candy. And so children, I remember, I would show up in front of him. Didn't even know his name. Can't tell you today, but I wanted candy. So I would say, hey. That's, in his own way, that old guy was blessing children. So if you're the old guy now, used to do that. Where is the spirit of Arthur Apple in this place today? Somebody needs to step up. How are you blessing the children in this house? How are you participating in making sure that in this house, every child feels seen, heard, and treasured? And in your house, you don't have to look, even look like a prayer. Just, just speak that which is not as if it is over your children because some days it is not. Some days they look a little demonic. And so you just lay your hand on them and you say, you are a daughter of the king. You are a son of God. You are a person of worth. You are strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Speak it over them. You can't mess them up. Remember we said this already. You can't mess up the kingdom of God. You can't mess up your children speaking blessing over them. When you pray blessing over your children, you're welcoming, welcoming them into an identity in Christ. And if you don't have children in your home, speak blessing over your spouse. And if you don't have a spouse at home, speak blessing over yourself. 
There's your great gift. If you live by yourself, you get to save all the blessing for you. Just speak it over yourself. Speak blessing over yourself. And then find a young person here to connect with. Find somebody in this community whose name you can know and whose life you can share, even if just a little, and speak blessing over them every Sunday when you see them. And then third, pray together and schedule it until it becomes routine. We started when Claire Marie was a baby, and we prayed every night together. When she got older, we'd have to hold her down. We didn't care. You can't mess her up praying over her. And, and um, at least we didn't mess her up. Um, <laughs> not doing that. We did other stuff to mess her up. Um, and, and, and we still do it now, even though Steve's on the road. Most days, most days, unless the truck keeps them out beyond what I'm in, before I'm in bed, we, we pray together. So pray and schedule it until it becomes a habit. Amen. And then fourth, ask soul-level questions at the table. I get what time it is, and we're going to be late again today, and I'm just, here we are. Um, ask soul-level questions at the table. I hope you're eating together sometime. And the quickest way to, keep, to turn it from the inane stuff to the spiritual is to ask two simple questions. How is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? And how can I pray for you? I was with the Kid City kids on Wednesday night so Jenny could be with the, um, uh, with the folks that went to Wilmore. And I had fun. Joy Bar, I had fun. <laughs> it was great. And the best part was being able to pray over those children. And when you ask a child how we can pray for you, that's when it gets real up in here. I'm telling you, that's when you see their heart. And don't worry if they turn the conversation into a joke about passing gas. It's okay. It's okay. The point is to help your kids get comfortable with spiritual conversation and to normalize it in your home. In your home. And then five, Fill your home with music. And that's all I'm going to say with that. Just fill your home with music. Amen. Fill your home with music. Yes. And the last one is play. And play may not be straight up worship, but it's part of prepping the soil. Yeah. You know, I, I talk with Claire Marie, my daughter, and her daughter, Emmy, four or five times a week. And Emmy and I are in this place right now. We tell knock-knock jokes to each other. That's our thing. And finger puppets and knock-knock and jokes. And, and she just bangs her little three-and-a-half-year-old fist on the table laughing at the stupidest, stupidest stuff. She thinks I'm hilarious. And that's not worship. But what she gets out of that is her grandmama, who is a pastor, knows how to laugh. We have met our quota of angry, bitter, sour Christians. Amen. We've met our quota. So as much as you'd like to be one of them, we're awful up. The rest of you are going to have to learn how to loosen up a little bit, my friends. Because we have met our quota. And I get it. There are going to be some days when you're too tired and you'd rather numb out on Netflix and you can't find your Bible and you don't like the music and you don't, and the other people in your house seem frankly demonic some days. But listen, this is not a science. Art, worship is an art. Worship is an art. It is a quest for the thin places. And I want to say to you that your home can become a thin place. 
Rend the heavens over your home. Rend the heavens over your family. Rend the heavens over this house. So we're going to ask the children to come in right about now. Thank you. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to let them come in and, and get in here and get situated with you guys, with your family. Um, what I want you to do this morning is pray over families. And not everybody in here, a family is two people. You're either related to each other, a grandmom and a grandchild, or husband and a wife, family, uh, parents with children, mama with children, your foster kids, somebody you live with, and that's your family. I'm going to, we're going to pray over families, and not everybody here in, in, in this place has a family, and that's okay. That's okay. Today, you get to get outside yourself and be a giver by praying over someone else. That's how you get to contribute today. If your family isn't here with you, in a moment, not yet, but in a moment, I'm going to invite families to stand. Come on in, kids. Find your parents. Or find the people you want to be your parents. <laughs> so in a moment, I'm going to invite families to stand. And if you need to get out in the aisle with your family, that's just fine. They did that at the early service. Some people just got in the corners with their people and they, and they prayed. And after I invite families to stand and get where they are going to be, I'm going to invite the rest of you to stand and find a family to pray over and bless. So do you hear me? Everybody ought to be able to pray over somebody. You don't even have to know them. Just find somebody you can pray over. Now, I know we say this all the time. There's going to be some people for whom this, you'd rather have a toenail pulled out than get up and pray, and that's okay. You're just, you're just that one who just needs to sit where you are, bow your head, close your eyes, and you're going to pray for your family or for this family. And that's fine. We'll leave you alone. But for everybody who's willing, I'm going to ask you to stand up and pray. If you're, if you're a family, will you stand up and pray? Excuse me, stand up right now. Just stand up right where you are. And then I'm going to ask you, if you're kind of standing in a line, would you just get where, just, just get out in the aisles where other people can. Let everybody get where they're going to be first. Let everybody get where they're going to be first. And then, yeah, we've got some, a few generations here. You guys all need to, yeah, y'all come and. Yeah. All right, now if you're still left standing, or you just like to go be with somebody else and pray with somebody else, then I want you to invite you, just go find some cluster over here and just lay hands on them. Just go find somebody to be near, some group, some family. We're praying over families this morning. That's what we're praying over. So I'm going to ask you as, you, as you begin to cluster, as you find somebody you're going to cluster with, there you go. There you go. And there shouldn't be anybody who's left sitting who doesn't want to sit. If you want to sit, that's great. Begin to pray. 
right now. And, and we'll call you back with a song. We'll call you back together with a song. But just begin to pray right now. Begin to pray blessing over your family. Begin to speak that which is not as if it is. Begin to speak into the, into the horizon. Begin to believe with Habakkuk that God is doing a new thing. Something new in your days that you would not even believe even if it was told you. Pray big enough. Pray big enough that only God, only God can do this work. Yeah. Begin to pray. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.